Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and today I'm excited to chat with Dan Vega, the real Dan Vega, who has had an incredible year. We're going to dive into that, hear his story about how he started teaching online courses and how he's using his blog to build his own brand. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please, if you haven't done so already, leave a review for this show wherever you listen to it. Now, let's get straight to the interview. All right, everyone, Phil Ebener here with Dan Vega, the real Dan Vega, who's been on <laughs> Udemy for a few years, and I'm excited to finally get to chat with him. Met him o- over at Udemy Live a couple years ago, and he is a busy man. Uh, list off some of those things that you <laughs> have accomplished in this past year, and then we'll dive a little bit more into your background. All right, so almost a year to date, we moved into our first home with my then fiance. We ended up remodeling that uh, kitchen a couple months later in January. I think we woke up on New Year's Day. Me and my brother just started smashing out cabinets. So that was a month-long process. Uh, We got engaged. We got married. We went on a honeymoon, which was the week before... Uh, Udemy Live, which which was why I was upset to miss Udemy Live this year, but it was okay because I did spend two weeks in Jamaica, so I guess that's a that's a nice offset. Yeah. Uh, and then we just found out we're having our first uh, child, so uh, we're excited about that. That's so amazing. yeah, it's been a busy, busy year. <laughs> that's amazing, and congrats on all of that. And Dan, we've been uh, trying to get on a call for a while now, so I'm glad we finally got to hop on. Uh, Can you actually first talk about how online teaching has, I don't know, maybe assisted in allowing you to do some of that or affected? What has online teaching allowed you to do um, since you started? Well, first of all, from from a financial standpoint, this last year that I had, as busy as it was, probably wouldn't have been possible without the extra income that online teaching has given me. So from, from a financial standpoint, it's been great. Um, and then, you know, just, just being able to help others, just another avenue for me to be able to help others. Um, those are really the two things that I get out of online teaching. I mean, you know, some people will tell you it's not about the money and I, I fully agree with that. Like if you're doing this for the money first, then you're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing this to help people first and money comes as a result of that, then, then you're doing the right thing. So that, that's kind of where online teaching has taken me. Nice. Awesome. I'm sure a lot of people listening would love to be able to do some of those g- things you've done, go to Jamaica, you know, remodel their kitchen and maybe teaching online will help them do that someday. So let's back up and can you tell me a little bit more about your background and where you were before teaching online and how you got into teaching online? All right. So I've been a software developer for almost 18 years now uh, in various languages, different size companies. I was in a startup. I've been in, you know, big, large companies. So I've kind of seen it all. So I've been programming for that long, kind of picking up, you know, tips and tricks along the way. Probably about 14 years ago, I started a blog. And at the time, it was really just a stage for me to kind of help others. Um, And I, I think, if you've ever like had to teach an online course, speak at a conference, do any of these things, when you have to tell somebody else how to do something 
and not just like kind of know how to do it. When you have to explain it well to someone else, you learn a lot of things along the way. So mm-hmm. for me, just kind of knowing something in, in like a particular language was one thing, but then telling somebody else how to do it really kind of taught me that subject. So it was for me learning something and then for me just being able to help others who may come across the same problems that I did and just kind of teaching them how to do things. So I've been I've been blogging forever, uh, re, you know, last few years, started a YouTube channel, but mainly I've been blogging forever, just kind of helping people. And that's something I've always really enjoyed. And I think that was kind of, you know, looking back on connecting the dots, they, you know, that that kind of got me into another way of helping people and, and teaching online. Nice. So you started this blog and when you started out, what were you just keeping it for yourself? Were you sharing it on social media? How did you start getting any traffic to that blog? Man, I'm so old that I don't think social media was really around then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was really for myself and a lot of the groups I was in, like the either the meetup groups locally or, um, you know, the online communities that I built, you know, these different programming languages and different frameworks and stuff. They all have their like groups. Mm-hmm. You know, this this goes back for forever. People who do the same thing that that want to talk to each other. So I, I've been fortunate to be in some pretty good communities where everybody kind of had the same mindset, like, let's share what we're all doing together. And that that was really how I shared it with one friend. And then maybe there was a tweet and somebody else shared that. So yeah, I was really just with anybody that was reading my blog and anybody inside that community. Got it. Nice. And so you have this blog and was online were online courses the first time you tried to monetize the blog and your expertise or had you tried anything else with the blog? No, so I tried AdSense, which if anybody's ever done any AdSense on a blog, unless you're getting like ridiculous amounts of views, really doesn't equate to much. So I'd get like a check for $100 every like, I don't know, nine months. And I'm like, oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm, again, I'm dating myself. Back then they actually used to send me a physical check. Mm-hmm. So I'd get it in the mail and I'd go, what the heck is this for? <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I, if I could just go back and do one thing with my blog 14 years ago, I mean, the first thing I would have done is start a mailing list and starting collecting email addresses. I wish I would have done that. Uh, so anybody out there who's starting, that has to be the number one thing that you do, even if you don't plan on monetizing on that app, mm-hmm. you know, down the road, just do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't really make a lot of money off of it. It was, I probably lost money because I was paying 20, 30 bucks a month for hosting fees. So it was really just a place for me to, to teach other people. And to be honest, when I first built that blog, you know, I, I used an open source project to build that blog out. I didn't use something like WordPress. Mm-hmm. I used something that me as a programmer could get in and like change stuff and add stuff to. And so it was a learning tool for me too, which was kind of great. Nice. Okay, cool. So take us into teaching online classes. How did you even find out about teaching on classes? And um, what was the process with your first class like? So two years ago, which was 2015, I was looking for, I think I had bought, so the year before, 2014, I think I bought a bunch of courses on Udemy uh, during their Black Friday sale. So I would see all these courses for like $10. I bought like five or six, probably watched two or three, and the other two just kind of sat around. Um, But that's when I first kind of got 
um, hip to kind of the online teaching world. And then 2015 rolled around and I, you know, I have a blog, I was doing videos on YouTube and I saw something come up on like Facebook or something that said, you know, Udemy was having this Black Friday challenge and that if you got your course in, um, they were going to pick some winners and like promote those courses. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of did what everybody else did. I looked at like some of the big instructors on Udemy and I go, wow, they have 30,000 students and they're selling this for $200? Like, yeah. man, that's a boatload of money. <laughs> I'm like, I might as well give this a shot. Yeah. So uh, I think like it took me a month. I, I, I recorded an 11-hour course inside of like 30 to 45 days nice. and got that published. Um, I didn't end up winning any of the advertisements from Udemy, but later down the line, I actually, they actually did start um posting like ads on Facebook that had my course in it, which was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, that's how I got into it. And it just seemed like a natural progression for me because like I said, I was teaching on the blog. I was doing videos on YouTube and I'm like, you know what, if I take my time and put together a decent curriculum here and like think this out, I could do this. So um, I jumped into it and and it was good. It was a good time. And what was that first course about? It was about Spring Boot. Um, so if I'm in a, I'm a I'm a I'm a Java developer, and Spring Boot is basically a way to kind of kickstart your application and really rapidly develop web applications. And at the time, it was really just starting to become real popular. I just left a conference not like maybe two months before that, and I see a lot of people at the conference talking about Spring Boot. And I said, well, this is a, this is probably the best time to get this done. Uh, let's go ahead and do this now. Nice, nice. So that was kind of, you know, just something that you're passionate about at the time and you decided yep. to teach it. So what do you remember your first sale and was it something were you promoting this course to your blog audience at all or how did you get those first initial sales? So I looked back. Um, it's funny enough. I look back my first uh, I went live with it on November 17th of 2015. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally enough, November 20- uh, November 17th of 2016 is the day I moved into my house. So I'm, I'm hoping there's something big on the 17th this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I posted it on my blog. I think a few people, you know, I did a coupon on my blog. So a few people had bought it right off of the blog. Most of my sales came from the Black Friday stuff that uh, Udemy was promoting that month. Um, nice. I think I did like $675 in that half month. Um, But it was all Udemy promotions for Black Friday. So Wow, that's a pretty good first month, which probably for you was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Um, I mean, I quickly understood after like the first two months what the Udemy model was and that I wasn't going to be getting 30,000 students at $200 a pop. Mm -hmm. But in, in any sense, you know, I think when you first make that first dollar or first few dollars, especially when you're sleeping and you wake up and you find out that you made money like that, that really gets you excited about the opportunity of teaching online. So, yeah, yeah, totally. So you have that first course. And since then I see on Udemy, at least you have five total courses. Now one is free, but you had a ton of success with that first course. And it seems to be your best selling course, at least in terms of the most reviews. Is it still the best selling course of yours? Yeah, it is. Um, so that's about two years old now. Um, and it it is a specific version of a software. So 
we are a little bit older on that, uh, which is why I'm actually in the works of creating a new version of that course. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled with, do I just want to just update this one or create a new one? But there's so much new stuff. And I think I've, you know, I've learned a lot since that course. So I'm taking a new approach to creating this 2.0 version. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that was the first one that's been the most successful one. And that, that has enabled me to do other ones. Um, and really, I've just kind of been picking up topics that I like. Um, and then lately I just launched a new course last week with a friend of mine, John Thompson, who you may know, mm-hmm. and he and I worked on a course together that has to do with spring boot and angular and kind of putting those two technologies together. So that was a lot of fun. And that's, that's been doing really, really well. Um, even after just a week. So nice. Perfect um, timing yeah. for black Friday too. And I know angular is one of the most popular topics on Udemy at this right yeah. now. So that's, that's awesome. You know, the, you know, you and John, two kind of heavyweights in Udemy coming together to create a course. That seems like to be a perfect mesh for that topic because there are other people who, you know, are already sort of s- stabilized in the angular market, but that's a good strategy to try to jump in, use both of right. your audiences to, to, jumpstart that course and hopefully make it a bestseller. So, yeah. And I think, I think one thing you said there, um, you know, th- there, there are opportunities in markets where people are stabilized. I mean, there are some big players in the angular market, but we're not teaching somebody just angular. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them a combination of spring boot and angular and mm-hmm. how these technologies mash together. So if you can find a foothold in there, you know, do it. Don't just go out and create another course that one of the big guys are already doing because you're not going to you're not going to move the needle there. You need to find a way to set yourself apart from those people and I think we found a good way of of capturing that market and the Java market. So those are two of the biggest programming markets on Udemy in kind of getting people from both of those and then being able to advertise to our all of our existing students already. So yeah, it was a good plan and, and it took a little while to come together, but I think the course came out great, so. Nice, and is there anything you're doing with your promotions for that new course that seemed to work uh, on Udemy or off of Udemy? So we, this is a tough one. So we, we are, I wanted to always sell this uh, new course on our platform. So I have my own platform on Teachable and John has his own platform on Teachable as well. And we have our own mailing list. He's got a, a much larger mailing list than me, but I built up a pretty, pretty nice mailing list this year. So my plan was to market towards, you know, all my existing mailing lists to my teachable uh, class. Mm -hmm. And so we did that and we came up with a pretty good strategy and it worked well. Um, But at the the same time, I think what we did wrong here is we didn't space these out enough. We kind of crammed this in because Black Friday is coming. And so we would, you know, people would buy our, our course on teachable and then a few days later find out it was available on Udemy now. And they were like, oh, I just paid X amount of dollars for it here. I, I could have got it for $10 over here. What the heck? <laughs> so there is a strategy if you're going to do both um, that we could probably have done a little better on. Um, but at the same time, what we did then is we just went out and we said, all right, here are we, we did a bunch of coupons for Udemy um, at $10 a pop. But we said, hey, these are going to end on Monday night. And we had like a sequence of emails going out where we talked about the new course, where we talked about testimonials, because uh, we got 
we got a bunch of upfront testimonials. We had some people beta test the course and give nice. us some kind of feedback on it so we know um, what to expect from it. And then really just kind of taught, walked people through that, but but then kept stressing through the weekend, hey, Monday night these coupons are going to be over. And so, yeah, we did pretty good on there knowing that, uh, again, this was just this Monday, knowing that we we're going to run into Black Friday and get those sales as well. So I That's think- always a hard thing, and I've struggled with it too, is like deciding do I promote the course on my Teachable site or on Udemy? There's, you know, te- promoting it on my Teachable site, it builds that more controllable income or it'd be nice to have more income on your own platform rather than sending it to Udemy. But there's that potential of if you become a bestseller on Udemy and can make that consistent revenue without the extra work on Udemy, that's so nice. It's like, why not just send all your traffic to Udemy? So when you decided to launch this and initially promote it on Teachable or what what was kind of like the deciding point? Why not just put it on Udemy, I guess? What's the argument for, for putting it on Teachable as well? Hey, Phil here. Are you enjoying this episode? I really hope you are. And I hope you're learning to become a better online course creator. If you want to fast track your success, head over to onlinecoursemasters.com and get your free trial of the full flagship program, the masterclass for online course creators. Get more information at onlinecoursemasters.com. Um, I, I think that you should never, ever put your business in the hands of somebody else. So while Udemy is great and they do such a great job of promoting courses and honestly, 90% of my sales are through Udemy, um, you need to be able to build up your own following. So, you know, building up the blog and getting people to the blog and people on your mailing list. Um, I just think it's important to have those, those people as a part of, you know, your tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't do that on Udemy. You can't get email addresses from people. You can't keep them informed on what you're up to these days. And so that's really the reason that I wanted to kind of start my own little, community on Teachable. And, you know, knowing that one day maybe I'll have like a subscription base where I can have, you know, 20 of my courses there and just have like a one price type of thing. So yeah, no, totally. I think that's a good idea for the long run for sure. Cool. So sounds like you've been busy. Can we talk about like what your typical day looks like? And actually, do you have a full time job? Do you still do contract work or freelance work too? I, I do. I have a pretty busy day. I have a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking to you right now on my lunch break. So oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, I get up at seven. I yeah, 645, seven o'clock. I'm start answering personal emails, trying to answer Udemy questions, things like that. Um, doing any work that I can on my stuff. Eight o'clock mm-hmm. rolls around. I grab a cup of coffee and I get to work on my nine to five work. I'll spend my lunchtime, as you see, doing whatever I can at, that I can work on or just grabbing a quick bite to eat here and then finish off the day. And then I usually head to the gym. Uh, as soon as I get home from the gym, me and my wife eat dinner and then I'm probably back in the I, in my dungeon down here. I'm in the basement in like my office and nice. I'm back in the dungeon uh, working on working on online course stuff. Cool. But you're working from home, though, it looks like. Yes, I work from home. Nice. Well, that gives you a little bit more flexibility to, you know, go on a Skype call at lunch or whatever. It is great because, you know, I don't lose two hours a day driving to and from work, which gives me more time to work on this stuff. So 
honestly, I, I was telling my wife the other day, I don't know how normal people do it these days. Like I, I'm struggling with just trying to get all this done and I'm, I'm home all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And even, I mean, I, I am so fortunate. And then my wife is also very fortunate. She is a hospice social worker. And so she pretty much creates her own schedule, but she does have to commute. She has to drive from patient to patient's house but still she can leave you know around nine or ten and then gets back at three or so in the afternoon and then she has to do like charting and extra work at home but still it's like she's like oh man it's like i hate having to drive and stuff but like the thought of having to go into an office from (laughs) nine to five that just scares me now so i'm like okay whatever i can do to not have to do that ever again (laughs) But I don't know. Some people are different. Some people like it. I definitely miss the, you know, being with coworkers and and stuff like that. So is there anything that you do to try to, you know, stay stay engaged with the world instead of just being in your dungeon? (laughs) Absolutely. So even back when I wasn't doing this and I was just working from home, I quickly realized that I was the same. Like I miss being around people. Mm -hmm. I need that interaction with people every day. So you need to find reasons to get out of the house. And at the time, I was just lifting weights in a normal, like, global gym where everybody just goes, has their headphones on, and does their workout, and then goes home. Mm-hmm. And then somebody got me hip to CrossFit, and that was when I first got into CrossFit. And it was really more about the community. Like, we worked out for an hour, but I made friends there. I, like, saw the same people every day. I had conversations with them. What are you up to this weekend? And then, you know, a lot of really good friends came out of that that I would then hang out with. And so I think you absolutely need to find a hobby to get yourself out of the house. Um, Find something you like doing, um, even if it's like three days a week and then do something on the weekend. I think that's great. Uh, If you just sit here all day, it's just not going to work. Like you need to find a way to get out of the house. Yeah, I I totally agree. I used you mentioned Meetup. Um, but I've used meetup.com to join some cycling groups and stuff. And then I, of course I adopted a dog like a month ago. So now that's my like office buddy, which doesn't (laughs) replace a human, but it, it does give me someone else to talk to during the day. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they can't talk back. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, cool. So, so you had a lot of success with Udemy. You're working full time. Have you put your courses on any other platforms aside from teachable and had any success with that? Nope. nope. Uh, they are nowhere. I mean, I looked at other ones, uh, especially things like Skillshare are just not for my courses because yeah. I have 10, 11, 12 hour courses in the programming and they're more looking at like how to do like a specific thing there. Yeah. So no, I haven't really done anything else and anything elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. So, so with your courses, um, there's a lot of people who would love to get into teaching programming because it, it's such a popular topic on Udemy. What do you think the key is to creating a highly rated course in general, but also specifically for programmers and developers? What what kinds of thing, things have you seen that the students really like in a course? Well, uh, you need to be responsive. I mean, and that, that goes for any course. So when students are asking questions, uh, you need to respond to them. You don't need to respond to them the second they post the questions. I mean, you got to give... Especially for me, I'm working all day, working on courses at night. I don't have every second of the day to respond to somebody. But you need to try and respond to them in some kind of timely manner. And that just shows them that you're not just interested in putting out this course and making money and moving on. It shows that you really care about 
what you're doing in the course and and helping them get through it and not just you know get stagnant because you know the success rate of people actually finishing courses are not high so Mm -hmm. answering these questions help them get closer to that um for programmers and developers in specifically i so one thing I do is I make a checklist of what things that I'm going to do before I actually hit the record button. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things like making sure that if you're taking a screen capture, that your notifications on your Mac or Windows are turned off, your phone is turned off. Um, we do a lot of work in um, text editors and IDEs, making sure that the font and the look and feel of them are good for the viewer and not just for you, the programmer. So mm-hmm. maybe you like to work in a dark theme, but maybe a light theme and larger font looks better to the students. Because you got to remember, some of these students are watching it on a phone mm-hmm. or a tablet where you know they don't have that much real estate to kind of look at that. So making sure that that's visible. And I'm I'm just as bad at that as anyone. So I started making a checklist to make sure that I do that during my recordings. And then I think just normal stuff, making sure your audio and your video is good. My audio is still not perfect. It's one of those things that I'm constantly trying to to perfect. Um, And really showing yourself too. I think too many people don't show themselves because there's too much, you know, this is a programming course. I'm just showing people how to code. I don't, they don't need to see me. But mm-hmm. you do get that really good connection with an instructor when you're able to see yourself. I don't think you need to be visible the entire course, but, you know, once in a while, show your face, talk to them, kind of let them see your personality, and then and then just go back to a regular screencast where you're just showing them code. So those are some of the things that I kind of do. I love it. I love it. And I think that last point about showing yourself sometimes is – is so important, especially as the market gets more and more competitive and filled with other courses. I talk about this a lot, but eventually people are just going to buy courses based off of the personality of the professor or the course creator. And then they buy that next course from you because they like you. And you build that trust. You build that relationship more by showing yourself. And I know uh, Nick Walter, who has been on the show, is a great example of someone who just shows yep. his personality so much through his, not just his promo videos, but throughout his courses. And I actually collaborated on a course with him. And seeing the way that he teaches is just, I can, it makes sense why people love his <laughs> courses rather right. than, you know, some, you know, just boring voiceover without seeing any sort of personality. So that's a good ad- advice. And you make you make a good point there. Uh, go you know go out and purchase some of these other courses. Especially you know Black Friday's coming. I don't know when this is going to really be released, but Black Friday's coming, and go buy some courses mm-hmm. and look at what all these other top instructors are doing with kind of showing their personality in certain videos. And you don't need to steal that, but you know do something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And and if it's working for them, it can work for you. So it can't hurt to buy these bigger courses and and learn from them. Totally. And whenever people listen to this, Udemy will probably be having a sale. But this will probably come out around New Year's. So people listening right now when it launches, there will be a New Year's sale. <laughs> Even better. January is usually my second best month of the year so because yeah. of the New Year's sales. So. Yeah, January actually for the past couple of years has been even better than Black Friday for me. Wow. Better than November, which is crazy. So it's yeah, it's exciting time. We're recording this in November. It's just an exciting time for online course creators. Yep. So we talked a bit about your blog before, uh, but let's talk a little bit more about growing your brand off of Udemy, the platform. 
Uh, you talked about how you spent a little bit more time or effort growing your email list this year. Is there anything specifically that you did to change that or make that better? Yeah, so like I said, when I started my blog, it was just really for me and anybody who was willing to read it. So I would blog about, you know, off-topic stuff that really didn't matter. And, you know, now I'm treating it more as the brand of me. And so when you come there, I want you to get articles that are relevant to things that you're working on and not what I thought of the latest Star Wars movie or whatever. (laughs) So one, kind of getting rid of a lot of that old content, doing a content audit and get rid of that stuff. And we're all, we also kind of redesigned the, the blog. Um, it, it looks a lot more professional now. Mm-hmm. And just kind of taking a more business approach to it, you know, creating lead magnets, uh, creating free courses that people can sign up for on your mailing list to get. Um, just taking that more of a funnel approach to getting people into your to your world so that you know that, you know, they know that what you're up to these days. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Just writing a blog post here and there is not going to help. I mean, people can forget about you real quick. You need to remind them uh, on what you're doing. And that really has nothing to do with spamming. It's just it's just raising your hand saying, remember me. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's, here's what I'm working on these days. So I think a lot of those changes and cleaning up the blog and really focusing on delivering consistent, good content helped us out this year. And, I mean, we went from, like, I would say like 10,000 views a month and probably 100 email subscribers to now in November, we're at like 55, 60,000 views a month Wow! and wow. over 1,100 email subscribers. So, wow. And this is all without advertising, so we're going to start to get into some advertising next year. But this was all kind of organic stuff, and so I think we're on the right trend now. Totally. So that's a crazy right. jump in, in views or traffic, so that's awesome. Were you... Are you using like the Udemy educational announcements regularly or any other thing? Or was it just kind of uh, I, SEO or what that helped increase that traffic? I, I, I really need to take advantage of the Udemy announcements. I don't use them at all unless I have like something to promote. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I might add that to like my 2018 goals is to kind of do like a summary of what's on the blog or what YouTube videos I've done as far as educational announcements go, mm-hmm. just to get more people onto that platform. Um, but no, I think most of all, it was a commitment to being consistent, you know, writing not like 20 word articles and actually creating, you know, sitting down, giving thought, creating 500 plus word articles that gave students some real content and then being consistent. Mm-hmm. I was doing three blog posts a week for a while and I just got burnt out on that. So, you know, come three months ago or so, I, I scaled that down to one a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, a lot of content, but more I think being consistent is really the key to that. Nice, yeah, definitely I would, you should put that on your goal list for 2018 because I wasn't using them at all. And I, similar to you, I. Uh, in August of this year, I changed my website, changed my branding a little bit and thought like, okay, how can I create blog articles that are actually beneficial to my users? And now I've been, especially for my photography students, I've been writing about one article a week or actually hiring someone to write an article a week, but a really good article, not just sort of like a spammy top 10 list or whatever. Um, And I've been sending that traffic to or those announcements to students every week. 
And just from that alone, I mean, my photography class has a lot of students, all my photography yep. classes, but I've increased my traffic from around 30,000 views a month to like 40 or 50 now. So definitely like just from the Udemy audience, I think that would help boost your, your traffic a bit too. And you're just sending them to just a blog post, like an informational blog post, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just an informational blog post. And I, my own video school online newsletter is more of like a recap of everything I've done the past week. But these are just the specific blog posts. And with the Udemy rules, you want to be careful about that just um, because you you want to send them the specific blog post that's related to the people in that course. Right. it's all right to have your email opt-in on the sidebar of your website. Uh, That's they what don't I was want you ask. promoting courses and other things in the content. But I felt like the benefit of being able to drive tr- more traffic to the blog articles, even just to help build up the SEO and everything of the, the site, was yeah. more beneficial than trying to make a few extra sales through the blog articles. Eventually, I'm going to optimize them for sales too. But I'm also increasing my my email subscribers a lot since yeah. I've added that um, opt-in in my sidebar, which for some reason I didn't have for a while. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's going to, I'm going to have to do something with that. I, it's been one of those things that's been on my list that I just haven't gotten to. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things like same here. Like I hadn't even really been emailing my news, my list at all. Like unless I was promoting a product and then I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this every week and make sure that I'm sending out good high quality content every week and I've I've stayed true to that for a couple months and I think it's it's really helped me build my brand a little bit more. That's right. You get four of those educational announcements now, right? Yeah. I believe it course. used to be two and two. Yeah, it's four. So you can send one out basically every week. Perfect. Cool. Yeah, so definitely do that. Awesome. Is there are there any other sort of income streams that you've played around with or you're working on aside from the online courses right now? Yeah. So last year I started getting into merch by Amazon, mm-hmm. which is Amazon's way of basically creating T-shirts and apparel. Um, so I got into that pretty quickly last year. Uh, I think around like October. No, a little bit in September. And I just I fell in love with it at first because it was so, you know, I've always liked like T-shirts and I thought the idea of like designing my own T-shirts was so cool. So we got into that and, you know, I think our second month on there was October and we probably did like nine hundred dollars in sales in October. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, nine hundred dollars that we took in. So it wasn't gross income. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. And that kind of led me to this is going to be awesome. And then merch kind of shut down it would wouldn't let anybody post new stuff as the holidays rolled around because they ran out of inventory and this year they've gotten really strict on like um uh on like trademark stuff and there's just a real fuzzy line there on like what you can post and what you cannot post and i get it like you don't want to infringe on other people's trademarks but they they kind of shy on that on the side of if it's even in the bubble of a trademark just get rid of it like they'll delete it and so that kind of turned me off to it for a while. And what we ended up doing, and we I started our, our, our own website called WeHardOhio.com. Mm-hmm. And so that was really just um, uh, apparel that we thought about in the world of like Cleveland and Columbus and just like talking about like how much we love our city and all of that. So we created some of that. And that was a little bit different of a project. It was 
um, creating our own Shopify store that integrated with a Printful printing service. Mm-hmm. And so that was a lot of fun. And those two are still sitting out there and it's something I want to get back to, mm-hmm. but I've just been so much, so busy with other things. And then as like fall came, I was like, I really got to get all these like uh, courses done because, you know, we have these sales coming up and I really want these courses done by like the new year. So probably in 2018, we'll, we'll step back and hopefully jump back into it because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just a, I'm also looking at the site. It looks <laughs> super professional and clean Thanks. and the de- designs are really good. I like it. So Thanks. Yeah, like better than a lot of the stuff that I see on Merch by Amazon. Some of that stuff is a little bit... Um, not as professional, I would say. Right. And like anytime like something happens in the world, like, I don't know, the president does something tomorrow, you'll see 1500 shirts on there with <laughs> yeah. all the same words. Like, it's just like, I, I don't want to try to compete in that world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that'll be something cool to follow you on and see. I mean, I don't know how you kind of grow the traffic to the, the, the site other than maybe advertising or social media or something like that. Um, yeah, it's not really that's a, a tough part. Yeah, not really like a content marketing play, but who knows? Uh, you know, maybe you know you always got to be wearing one of your shirts. And I mean, YouTubers <laughs> are doing this all the time. It seems like YouTuber. I don't know why more YouTubers, and I'm I'm glad that more YouTubers aren't getting into the online course space because right. all of them are busy trying to sell their own merch, and right. it's it's crazy. I guess everyone's just trying to build their own personal brand and you know there's a lot of kids that want to be like the youtubers so they buy that stuff but it's crazy to me yeah yeah they could do so much more i mean i know a lot of people have kind of shied away from youtube now just as as, as far as a monetization platform mm. i mean it's still a great platform to public to publish videos and kind of talk about your brand and with the online courses promote your courses but there's like that one percent that's like doing very well on YouTube, and everybody else is kind of below them. So yeah, yeah, cool. So this is a cool project you might work on in the next couple years. Is there anything else that you're working on over the next few years, or goals that you have with online courses that you want me to help you stay accountable for? <laughs> um, I have a bunch of ideas. Like everybody else, I think I have too many ideas. I'm like a mad scientist in my head right now. Um, So there are things that I want to work on in 2018, but I don't want to talk about right now because I don't want to be held accountable for them. (laughs) Come on, give me one, give me one. (laughs) um, We may get into some kind of online space for teaching other entrepreneurs different different avenues into kind of the side hustle, I'll say. Mm -hmm. So I have a a name and a business in place. Um, so we might get into that that space again. It's all about time management and prioritizing what we need to do and what what we need to get done first. So cool, nice. I got well, some ideas. I'll, it's a little mysterious, but I'll keep my eye out. <laughs> <All right. laughs> cool. So uh, just my last question really is what what's your final piece of advice for people who want to get started with teaching online, especially taking into account where things are now in the market on Udemy and also off of Udemy? All right, so number one is easily just start something now. Uh, and I know you'll hear this from everybody in in your world, Phil, and everybody else in any kind of entrepreneur world. Like you just have to start something. You have to like stop doubting yourself and 
saying to yourself, like, this will never work. Um, you need to start something. And even if it's, especially it should be on a smaller scale, don't do what I did and create a 12-hour course and think that that's a starting point because looking back on it, I wish I would not have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, start something small. And even if it's a free course that you can then hand off to, I don't know, people you work with, friends, family, just something that you can kind of put in front of somebody and go, what do you think of this? And get some feedback on it. And, you know, over the course of time, you know, developing these different courses, you're going to learn how to improve. So my number two is do not try to be perfect. I am a huge proponent of this. I always try and like make everything perfect and it's never going to be perfect. You just have to gradually learn what your mistakes are and get better at those as you keep going and you create the next course, you know, just get better at everyone that you do. It doesn't need to be perfect. Get it out there. Um, and then I guess last but not least, when you're looking at other courses online, don't let people in your space scare you away from doing a course. Uh, when I first started looking at, there were Spring Boot and Spring Framework courses already there, but I watched some of them and I said, I can improve upon this. There's there's something that I can add to this space. So there might be something that you can add to that space, but you may even be able to niche down and find a particular space that people are looking for mm-hmm. um, and just make a twist on it. You know, a lot, especially from, from a programmer's perspective, there are a lot of courses out there that teach you a specific language or a specific framework. Mm-hmm. But there aren't a lot of courses teaching you like, how to build this specific app. I know there are in the iOS world, like Mm -hmm. Nick does a lot of the, hey, build this particular app. And those are great because people want to learn like real world stuff. They don't want to learn just like how to do something in um, some dumb project, like funny project over here that doesn't really equate to the real world. So, So being able to do something that's real world and tangible and that can help in the real world is gonna help out your, your students a lot as well. Cool. All three three of those are great pieces of advice. So thank you for that. Hopefully everyone listening gets a little bit inspired from Dan's interview. Where can people find out more information about you and follow you and your journey? So I don't own danvega.com. I've been trying to get this domain for 20 years, but there's another Dan Vega programmer. So don't go to don't go to his site. <laughs> um, so that's why I ended up with the real Dan Vega. So you can find me on www.therealdanvega.com, and all of my links there: uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can find out about my courses there, etc. Perfect. And your cor- your website looks way better than just thedanvega.com. So <laughs> I know, the real Dan I, I Vega email, is great. I email him once or, once in a while and go, "Hey, my course <laughs> looks way better. Come on." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny that's funny. yeah i've been trying to get another web domain for a while too and it's so frustrating because the site it doesn't have anything on there at all so that's the worst part especially when people don't use them you're just like why do you want to keep this like yeah. i'll give you 100 and i bucks. offered a decent <laughs> amount of money just for like yeah anyways <laughs> i'll let you know i'll let everyone know when i finally get that domain all right <laughs> so cool well dan it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show and i look forward to seeing more of your success and i hope you stay busy for the next year you've had a crazy busy year this past year and i'm excited yep. to see how you do with everything and good luck with the the baby on the way and the marriage and the kitchen and everything else <laughs> Thank you so much, Phil. It's been great catching up with you. And I haven't like seen you in a while. So it's good catching up with you. And uh, thanks for everything you do with the podcast and video schools online. I appreciate it. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to fast track your success, head over to onlinecoursemasters.com and sign up for your free trial of my flagship program, the Online Course Masters Masterclass. Yep, that's right. It's a masterclass designed to take you from zero to hero, creating and selling your very own online courses. If you haven't done so yet, please leave a review for this show wherever you listen. This is how we can help expand our audience and help teach the world. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week in the next edition of the Online Course Masters Show.